listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 19th of April. Later, uh, where to invest in this rising inflationary and interest rate environment, but first to the Reserve Bank, which is likely to wait until the next set of inflation and wages data before it moves. But today, it said that most borrowers are unlikely to be stressed by higher interest rates. And that's because many have used the pandemic to get ahead on their home loans. In its latest monthly board meeting minutes, it noted that the median excess payment buffer for owner-occupied with a variable rate mortgage is the equivalent of 21 months of required payments and that compares with 10 months at the beginning of the pandemic. However, remember that's the median and the RBA is conscious that around one quarter of those borrowers had buffers of less than three months, making them more susceptible to rate rises and more likely to tap into the billions of dollars saved during lockdowns to pay their mortgage instead of spending on the economy. Now, the reason why rates are likely to rise is because while the bank expects wages to grow slowly, underlying inflation is predicted to be above its target band, admitting that these developments have brought forward the likely timing of the first increase in interest rates. When will that first increase be? For more, I spoke earlier with ANZ's Adelaide Timbrell. We believe at ANZ that the Reserve Bank cash rate will start to go up from June. So right now it's at 0.1. We think it'll go to 0.25 in June and then 0.5 in July, 0.75 in August and 1% in November. This is because inflation has really outperformed. We actually think it'll be up at 4.7% for the first quarter of the year, which is much higher than the 2 to 3% goal that the Reserve Bank has. And also we're seeing a lot of evidence that unemployment is very low and there's a lot of wage pressure, which is really the thing that helps us get to the good kind of inflation Um, But the Reserve Bank needs to make sure that they don't go overboard with wages. And so we see a stable increase in both prices and paychecks. Can we go into more detail about wages? Because from my perspective, the RBA didn't sound too concerned about wages because it said given in aggregate terms, the growth in wages has been below rates likely to be consistent with inflation being sustainable at the target, right? Does that imply a limit in terms of how many rate rises we'll see or, or how aggressive it may be? Yeah, so if we do see wages continue to be below what the Reserve Bank thinks is sustainable for a good amount of inflation, we may see them move a little bit slower than they would otherwise. But rather than limiting how high rates can go, it really more limits how fast those interest rates can move over time. So what we think is that right now, the reason that unemployment is very, very low, but wages aren't necessarily super high yet, is because it does take a little while for wages to kick in in Australia. We've got a lot of long-term contracts and sticky kind of labour market costs, which basically means it's really hard in Australia compared to other countries for everyone to get a pay rise at any given time. We do it a little bit slower. But we do also know that when interest rates have risen in the past in Australia, it hasn't necessarily mean wages stopped growing. So the Reserve Bank will have to balance some of those risks between, you know, not moving soon enough and seeing wages get high and stay too high, which means that businesses are passing on a lot of costs to consumers, or starting now and seeing wages maybe not get to where they want. It's a bit of a tricky decision. 
So the point is, we know that interest rates are going to start rising. So the question is, can borrowers afford them? So when we look at what different kinds of borrowers they are and whether they can afford those increases in interest rates is a few factors to consider. Number one, the people who have the most debt, so the really big mortgages, are generally the same people who saved a lot of money through COVID. So this means that even if you see uh, the mortgage of, a, say, a million dollars uh, going up by $500 a month, that sounds like quite a lot. If you've got, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in the savings account from not being able to spend money on COVID, that's not such a big deal. For people on the lower end of debt, but also who are maybe um, squeezed a little bit more in their household budget, we should see wage growth take care of a lot of that. So if you have a $500,000 mortgage by the end of the year it could be $500 a month more expensive on a variable rate uh, and that's just any bank kind of um, generic modeling we may see that you also find that you get an extra $250 a month in a paycheck rise and if it's not this year it'll happen before those mortgage rates get too high because we are seeing that employment rate continue to fall we think it will be at a 50-year low um, anytime now and continue to stay at that 50-year low which means lots of businesses who are confident and want to look for workers, not many workers who need a job, which means they'll have to be upping the stakes when it comes to salary in order to attract people. And that's really how wage growth will keep going up as those mortgage rates rise. So we think that we could see the cash rate go all the way up to above 3%, but slowly over time so that the Reserve Bank can give time for wages and salaries to catch up so that people aren't squeezing and squeezing and squeezing themselves um, to pay debt. Rather, we should see them being able to get more money and be paying more on debt as well to keep the economy going in a good rhythm. Adelaide Timbrell there from ANZ. Now to the Australian share market, which rose today on this shortened working week after Easter. The S&P ASX 200 up 0.6%, 7,565. I spoke earlier with Marjabine Zaman. She is from City, Australia, where she gave her thoughts on the RBA's statement today too. Their RBA minutes provided more colour to their recent hawkish shift, um, acknowledging that inflation pressures are going to persist for longer than previously expected. Now, they also acknowledged that fuel, food, commodity prices are up and for longer. So sellers will effectively be passing on these prices to consumers very soon. So why we think August is potentially the first time um, the RBA will move on the rates and the, the answer is really dependent on the evolution of labor costs. Yes, wages have picked up, but they're still well below uh, rates that are sustainable with the 3% target that they're looking at. Now, wage growth has shifted um, across the individual pay segment, but across enterprise bargaining arrangements, it's still subdued. So while the necessary conditions for rate hikes have now been set, when we look at underlying inflation, um, the board is still unlikely to lift the cash rate until sufficient conditions, and that's higher labour costs, has been satisfied. I guess the other question then is how high can interest rates go? How aggressive can the RBA be? And, and what do you think and how does it compare with what the market is thinking? 
Look, I think we forecast um, a cash rate of 0.75 by the end of this year, followed by 1.75 uh, by the end of 2023. Clearly, uncertainty around real neutral rates and household sensitivity to rate rises will determine the terminal rate. Now, risk to inflation suggests that the RBA will need to ra raise the real cash rate back to pre-pandemic levels through the hiking cycle, which is implying a terminal cash rate of 2.5%. Now, interestingly, consensus is now increasingly shifting to a June uh, rate hike to start with. But all eyes are on the CPI number that's coming out on the 27th of April for Q1. Um, I must say that for June to be a live meeting, we need to really watch closely uh, what levels the, the numbers come out as. For example, uh, we need the inflation number, which is the trimmed mean CPI, which the RBA really looks at, to come up above 1% and the Q1 wage cost index to increase by 0.8%. Further, we need to see the unemployment rate uh, to fall and stay below that 4% mark. Maybe that's what probably could drive an earlier rate hike for June. Now, July is also potentially a live meeting, and that's because the Fair Work Commission will deliver its annual minimum wage decision in late June. Now, given the increase in inflation since the last minimum wages order was made, um, the commission could announce faster minimum wage growth than the 2.5% announced previously. So a lot of moving factors right now, June, July, live, but we are looking at potentially August to be the first at this stage. Okay, what are the implications for bond investors then? Look, I think um, with, um, you know, I guess looking at 1.75 RBA cash rate in 2023, 10-year Aussie Treasury crossing that 3% pre-pandemic uh, levels, it really tells us that cash rates are pricing in, um, you know, above 3%. Markets are pricing in a cash rate of 3% and above for next year. But what bond investors really need to do is step away from the noise, look at the valuations. By adding bonds selectively today, um, you are actually buying the market's view of cash rates in the future. So again, um, by buying or getting into bonds today at discounted values, you're actually getting, getting all of those future rate hikes implicit in the price. And one thing to remember, bonds don't sell off once rate hikes, right? Bonds don't sell off once rate hike begin. They sell off well in advance. So something to think about for bond investors, not forgetting if we're entering a slowdown of you know, economic growth into the next year or two, um, you know, obviously bonds are, always have that flight to safety quality uh, with them as well, defensive asset. And finally, so in this environment of rising interest rates and rising inflation, where are the opportunities for investors? Look, for equity investors, you know, what we have seen is that investors have become um, increasingly bearish on the economy and markets way too early. Um, the immediate prospects for the economy are not bleak at all, particularly when you look at the jobs data, earnings growth, whether you look in Australia or you look overseas. Our base case uh, does assume slowing economic growth, but not a recession. And in a slowing economic growth environment, naturally, you want to favor um, defensive over cyclicals. Now, sectors that we like, uh, include software and healthcare, which often deliver earnings that are uncorrelated with the business cycle. Um, one thing to note is that, you know, with inflation levels just only looking to increase in the near term, disposable incomes uh, will likely be falling. And so, you know, as an investor or as a, as a consumer or as a household, um, you might be prioritizing things like healthcare 
as opposed to spending on discretionary items. So from that perspective, we are really biased toward more of those uh, healthcare type of, of sectors. And finally, not forgetting, we are in an environment where we've got record, oil, record high oil prices. Um, and clearly, um, the disruptions to commodity supply um, will really has increased our allocations to energy and natural resource producers as well. Marja Bin Zaman there from City. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. (laughs) 